0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program
2: Opal Singleton. Well, hello, and welcome to Crimes Against Humanity. We have an exciting show today. I've spent a lot of hours getting ready for this, and I just am anxious to share so many things with you. If you're new to our program, this is a global internet interactive training program on human exploitation, so we want you to get involved. The whole idea is this is a very fast-changing kind of business, mainly because of technology and uh, the capability for predators to be able to exploit people. So we would encourage you to call in. That number is 1-866-472-5788, anytime during the hour. We also want to make sure that you know that this show can be archived on your, for instance, your church website, synagogue, ward, a nonprofit. If you archive it on your website, that'll drive people to your website. But on top of it, uh, it'll give you a chance to educate other people. There's no charge for it. Just contact us at Opal at Million Kids and tell us you want to archive it, and we'll assist it in uh, For you to be able to do that. So, this week, if you've seen the promotion, we're going to be talking about some very dark things. We're going to be talking about the dark web and child pornography. So, it's a beautiful day in Southern California, and I say to myself, why on earth are we doing this to ourselves? (laughs) Some days I say that myself every day because I live and work in a world where I fight child exploitation. But this is a very important issue, and that's why we're going to do it. So I look at this and say, you know, does child pornography really have anything to do with me? It's very easy to go on in my life and pretend none of this is happening. But once you've seen the image of a violated child or once you've set with a parents who have a child who's been exploited, honestly, there isn't anything else you can do in your life but be able to take this on and be able to do everything we can to combat it. Me and Kids is dedicated to combating exploitation in all kinds of forms, and I can't think of a greater kind of exploitation to a human soul than child pornography. I want you to think about something. To make child pornography, you need a child. And to be pornographic, you have to violate that child. So the purpose of Crimes Against Humanity is to educate you and equip armies of professionals around the world. And I mean that. This is a global problem, and it's going to become more so, as you see, as you stay tuned and finish the program, you will see where this is headed, and you'll understand my concern and my absolute commitment in any way I can to take this on So please share this show with others, archive this show, and be sure to go to Million Kids Facebook. Now sometimes I don't say that so people can make out what we're saying, but this program is brought to you by Million Kids. That is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N, Million Kids. For some reason it sounds like me and kids when I say it, but it's called Million Kids because over a million kids are trafficked throughout the world. Now, we know that many of you that are listening are professional people. You're maybe law enforcement or hopefully attorneys or district attorneys, maybe social workers. We know social workers are, are listening because we hear from you. Teachers, maybe public health nurses, pastors, preach, uh, uh, priests, rabbis, educators. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom who just simply cares about these issues and want to make a difference. Or maybe you're a missionary in a foreign land. A listing on this uh, throughout the internet. This show goes to 170 countries, and we welcome you, because trust me, child pornography often violates some of the poorest of the poor in third world countries, and we need you to get involved. Pedophiles are sitting in the comfort of their own home in Iowa, California, in Sweden in Paris, and they're watching live stream and videos of violated children in third world countries. But oftentimes, the victims are right in America also, and living right in our neighborhoods, you may know a child pornographer and not realize it. So we need individuals around the globe to get involved and to become educated on this. Many times, it's the child in your neighborhood or a family, and everyone is oblivious to this. We need you to be the eyes and the ears to identify and report this crime. But to do this, you must get educated. The insidious nature of this crime is that it is taking place among us. They're silent and it's unseen, sometimes in the dark recesses of our life. And most people are not aware of what they're seeing. Most child pornographers are males, but we have seen cases with females. I've done some unscientific tracking of public child pornography cases. and many of the cases, is a Caucasian male. Now, there doesn't seem to be a specific age range. Sometimes they're 16 years old, and sometimes they're 75. I just read one this week that was 80. So, interesting enough, when we read the articles and they list their profession, about 40% are connected to schools. It's school principals, school superintendents, board members, teachers, sports coaches, counselors, janitors. I was a, a person on that talked on MSNBC for the Jared Fogle case. That's the guy who lost 200 pounds on Subway, and he didn't wasn't connected to a school, but he had a organization that went into schools to talk about childhood obesity. Some of the other professions are pastors, pediatrician, and policemen, the very people we are counting on to be able to identify this. So why are they involved? Well, they place themselves around children, which is what they're attracted to. These individuals have realized they have a fetish for children, and there's just not a rough research that's been done on this and why individuals prefer children. There are a lot of theories, actually, on this, why some are molested as children. Some of them have been molested as children, and then they act out on their own. Some of them never got the help they needed. Some of them, I believe it really has to do with power and control over a helpless individual. So there's a lot of questions that arise out of this, like, you know, Why are people addicted to pornography? Is it addicted to adult pornography and they move to child pornography? Well, we haven't really seen trends of that, and there's not enough research about that. And we really need organizations that can come together and do research on this subject. So it's very difficult for a man to get help. If he admits that he has an addiction to child pornography, and many states, once you admit that, then they immediately have mandated reporting where they have to turn you in. So I've often questioned about do they move from the possession stage then into the manufacturing and distribution, and how does that work? What we do know is men are not doing this in a vacuum. They're doing it at home, at work, and other places. So how do we find it? And how do they get reported? Will the observer understand what they're seeing there? And will they be willing to tell somebody? Think about this. Many of these pedophiles have libraries of 500,000 to a million images. And they have over hundreds of videos. So this is a real challenge because it's being done somewhere where it can be seen and reported. But the question is, do they? So we're going to take a break now, and we're going to come back shortly. Susie Carpenter's on the line with us. She's with Million Kids. She is the media and marketing director of Million Kids. She operates our Million Kids Facebook page, and she's going to tell you about some of the latest cases of child pornography. And then we're going to move into the dark web and how all of this happens. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, can be ordered at millionkids.org Share this with everyone you know You count Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who like you are changing our world from the inside out
2: Well, yes, it is Opal Singleton, and it's also Susie Carpenter, our Media Marketing Director. I'm going to tell you, this lady runs the best Facebook page in America, and I highly recommend that you go to Me and Kids Facebook and look at all of those stories. She does a massive amount of research and stays right on top of this and puts it out there on Facebook so that you can stay educated. So, Susie's uh, Brought to me some cases that have happened recently, and she wanted to analyze them for you and kind of share them with you. So go for it, Susie. Well, good morning,
0: everyone. Um, what I wanted to talk about this year was Operation Broken Heart 3. Um, Operation Broken Heart was originally created in 2014. It gives law enforcement agencies and task forces an opportunity to combine resources and investigative tools to identify child sexual predators. I believe it's headed up by the Internet Crimes Against Children. uh, And this year, they concentrated on offenders who possess, manufacture, and distribute child pornography those who engage in online enticement of children for sexual purposes, or those who engage in the commercial sexual exploitation of children, uh, nationwide this year we had sixty-one task forces, and they conducted operations between April and May. They made a total of one thousand three hundred and sixty-eight arrests uh, across the country.
2: Wow, that's uh, great.
0: Yeah, and and you know when you think about that though, Opal, that's just a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. That's just a two-month period this year, um, and they made over 1,300 arrests. Uh Um, Now, these investigations, uh, they usually start with tips made to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So, for our listeners, if you suspect it, report it. Report it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They will get your tips to the correct law enforcement agency, and they will investigate Um, And the other interesting thing I thought was the tips often come via social media. So once again, another positive use for social media where so many predators use it in such a dark manner. Um, The cases often take months to investigate. Investigators will spend countless hours and they have to comb through all the videos and images. Think about that that's a lot of imagery they have to go through. Um, so it takes some pretty special people to be able to do these kinds of investigations. Uh, we have posted on Million Kids, uh, I, I can't even tell you how many stories about pedophiles who are found with hundreds of thousands of child pornography mm-hmm. images and videos. I mean, they catalog them, and it's, it, it just becomes this profound hobby for them. Um, Internet crimes against children, however... Now have a mobile forensics lab, and and the one in LA is called the Beast. Um, and the investigators use this mobile lab so that they can quickly search through picture and video evidence to get an arrest. So um, they they've they've got you know all their computers and everything in there, and then when they they get. Um, you know, like a a, a laptop or or a mobile phone, whatever they hook it in there, and they, they were able to find whatever evidence they need, and make an arrest, and then they take the remaining evidence to use um, to build a stronger case in court. Um, and you had mentioned about Jared Fogle earlier; they used one of these forensic labs uh, during his his uh, arrest. Um, so this year, I I I did some search to find out. How many arrests were made in each state? Uh, Although there aren't stats on every state yet, I do have a few for you. Uh, In Arizona, they made 44 of the 1,300 arrests. Southern California alone, 238 arrests. I found only five in Sacramento. There are probably more in Northern California, but I can only find a story on Sacramento. Louisiana had 56. Maine had 12. Maryland had 46. Michigan had 28, New Mexico 21, Oklahoma 17, and Texas another whopping 126 arrests.
2: And that's the ones they found.
0: Those are just the stories that I found um, giving us the stats. And you are correct. Those are just the pedophiles that they found. The rest of them are still lurking there in the dark web, as we know.
2: Well, that's amazing, uh, Susie. I appreciate that research. Uh, Did you have anything else there that you wanted to share? Um, The only other
0: thing I wanted to add, uh, in the last segment, you were talking about the different kinds of um, places that that pedophiles will will hide themselves or or that will place themselves with children. And I remember, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, there was a pediatric nurse in San Diego, mm-hmm. a male pediatric nurse yes. in, in San Diego, and he, um, he was an approved foster parent and was, yes. fostering, was fostering an infant uh, for the sole purpose of creating
2: child pornography. Oh, uh, I remember that case. It was just absolutely horrific, that case. Awful. One of the the things that I want to share with people is, as I mentioned before, these men are not doing this in a vacuum. It's often taking place at their home, at their work, uh, somewhere where they can eventually be seen, which is why we're taking the time to share it with you. We want to get this reported, and the question is, if you see it, would you be willing to report it? Will the observer understand it enough to be able to do this? As we mentioned before, they have very large libraries. So these are people who who spend a lot of time with technology. And on top of it, the nature of pornography has changed a little bit because of technology. In the old days, these people would often uh, maybe make their own photos and kind of hide it or maybe share it with one other like-minded individual. But today, that technology and is able to build a bridge to other pedophiles where they actually form these large-scale rings. More important, think about the addiction and the challenge to the addiction. Because with technology, they literally have it with them all the time. It used to be you had a photo, you maybe hit it or like that. But now it's usually on your iPhone. And think what that means. It's laying on the desk when you're at work. Many of these guys are caught at work it's it's laying on the seat of the car while they're driving off to work or going off in the in the evening and that means when they stop at a street light they can They can check it out. So that's one reason they keep these libraries is a constant stimulation. But that intensifies the addiction. So the other thing that intensifies the addiction is this bonding with other people because before they did this alone. But now they are, what is happening is they are going into the dark web, which we're going to talk about in the next two segments. And they get in the dark web and it is anonymous, and it gives them the ability to hook up with other pedophiles. So they're no longer alone hiding in the shadows, and they get affirmation they get approval by other pedophiles for instance they'll take a photograph and they will they will be part of the addiction of making the photograph and then relooking at it but think about the stimulation they get when they share it with others it's almost like trading baseball cards hey guys check this out I have a new one man is it good I'll give you two of these for four of those and it's reinforcing the addiction yes. but I want you to think about something else It's normalizing the addiction because they're getting that approval on it. So who are the victims on this? Who's being held hostage in this and who's being tortured and and who's suffering the bondage? Well, it's all kinds of age ranges, as uh, Susie pointed out here. The pedophiles are all kinds of age ranges that we've seen. Um, They can go from 16 to 80. And their victims usually can go anywhere, as Susie was saying, from infants all the way up to 17-year-olds that are being uh, tortured. And so it really is depending, and, and, you know, it depends on the pedophile whether he prefers boys or girls. But I am going to give you some statistics that will just really make you sick. And this is really important for social workers who work with foster kids especially. The statistics indicate that 39% of kids who are violated with child pornography as victims are under the age of five and uh, 19% are under the age of 2. So don't be surprised if infants and toddlers are involved. But many times it's 8 or 9-year-old boys or 11, 12-year-old girls. It can be any range on this. The real challenge is to get observers to realize what's happening and to report it. Now, the sad part about this is sometimes it's a wife or a friend, and they just can't admit to themselves what they're seeing. They they want it all to go away, and they don't want to believe this about someone they care for. And on top of it, if they report these people, they stand to lose everything they own. You know, the exposure, the legal fees, the taking away to prison, and there are some very long prison terms for this. The family humiliation. Well, all of that is very, very true. I don't discount that. But let me tell you something else that child has a sentence for a lifetime. And this is very, very important. Once those photos are out there, You'll never get them back. By the way, this is a good time to remind your teenagers because they have technology that looks for the images of naked children. It's called PhotoDNA. Since they've been doing this, this is NECMAC that Susie referred to, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Since they've been doing this, they've intercepted 185 million images of naked children. And NECMAC is our friend. They are amazing people. But 35 million of those images are literally naked selfies. These are our photos our kids are sending to their boyfriends or girlfriends. And pedophiles can get a hold of those photos. Think about a child porn ring that has 200,000 users. It takes a lot of material to keep those people busy. And so they go scanning through Kick and others, other sites, Instagram, and they're looking for those photos. And once those photos go into a child porn ring... You can't get them back. So, counsel your kids about putting those photos out there. So, I want us to take a look at the dark web because this is really where all of this is taking place. So, we're going to take a break here in a minute and come back, but we encourage you to call in to our show, 1 472 5788. Follow me and kids on Facebook. Contact us about archiving the show. Share the show with other people. And we will be right back in about a minute or two. And we're going to start talking about the dark web.
1: Educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping. Can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station.
2: Well, hello, and welcome back. This section, we're going to talk about the dark web. And this is an interesting thing that I think we all need to be educated on. And quite frankly, it is technology that is moving, changing. And so it's difficult sometimes to comprehend what is going on here. I want you to think of the internet as a bucket of water. That top Let's say 1% to 3% of that bucket of water is where we live. Interesting, I used to say the top 75%, but then as I got deep into understanding the deep web, the dark web, I began to understand that the Internet is a fascinating thing. No one really owns it. I like, to, I like to play with teenagers when I'm talking with them. I'll say, who owns the internet? Net. They say, Bill Gates, Google. <laughs> you know? No one really owns the internet. So then I'll say, well, is it private? And they go, no, it's not private. And then I say, really? Well, then why are you sending a naked photo on it? The internet is a fascinating thing because nobody owns it. And nobody ever promised you it was private, by the way. And when you set it at that keyboard or use your cell phone, remember, it is not private. Trust me, there is nothing private about it. But think about the Internet as this bucket of water that maybe top 1% to 3% is where we live. And so what happens there, right now there's about 3.5 billion users on there. They're expecting the entire world to be connected by 2020. And so if you look at this, this is where we have search engines that can find your various websites. That's Chrome and Bing and Google and people like that. Below the regular web is the deep web. Now, we're not really sure how big that is, but we do know that for the most part, that's where government agencies subside. They have all their websites. You have to have a specific address to get in. Many big corporations like LexisNexis maintain large databases in there. And so it is of large size and large scale. But below that is this kind of abyss this mass of Internet that is not indexed. And so it's made up of unregistered websites that can only be found if they have a precise Internet address. And it requires a special code to access it. And sometimes that access goes through a proxy software. And so this is getting very, very sophisticated. You can't normally find a site on the dark web unless you have a special kind of uh, browser. And also, if you, you have to know exactly where you're going. So that's why people in illicit businesses really like it. We know that there is a mass amount of guns being bought and sold and traded on the dark web. Uh, money launderers exist all around the globe, by the way drug dealers and international uh, drug distributors take place down there. We know that ISIS is operating down there, and we know that Mexican drug cartels and Japanese Chinese drug cartels, and we know that child pornographers on there. So you have to have a web browser. If you ever see a dot .onion address, that will give you an idea. Most of this is operated on TOR, T-O-R, and that's a special kind of router or browser. That is, excuse me, browser that is well known, but you need special equipment to get into it. Now, one of the big attributes about this is it's totally anonymous. So you can, once you're invited into the group, you can maintain and interact with large-scale groups. As we mentioned in a previous segment, they believe that they have found a child pornography ring that has over 200,000 users. There was a suggestion that there might be 400,000. And as we get into this in the final part, we'll talk about how challenging that is for law enforcement to be able to find these sites and make a case in court in this. Because of the fact that there are many challenges to how to put this together. For instance, um, there is a case that the FBI just was able to, they they went in and they found a large-scale child pornography site called PlayPen. And they actually took that over for a bit, about two weeks, and they used malware to trace it. Now, think about injecting dye in your veins. That will give you an idea of how malware works. Malware is something of a virus that they put inside of various systems to find out how they're connected. And they begin to go, go through the system, connecting people that they would never normally be able to find. The big challenge is how does this work legally? And in the case of the playpen, what happened is they took it over, they sent out malware, and then as they were able to find child pornographers and they arrested them and they took them to court, there are several different cases now that are being challenged in court because How do you get a search warrant when you don't know how to find somebody and be specific? On top of it, the search warrant was for a specific state, like I don't remember right now, let's say Virginia. And then one of the pedophiles they found, the child pornographers, was in Oklahoma. The search warrant was only for Virginia, wasn't for Oklahoma. So we need people to come together and start to look at at global law and also national law on how you go about doing this. So, it's a fascinating thing and we really need young people to take up careers in this. I'm told that we have a caller uh standing by. Uh can we uh is Samantha there? Can we bring her on? Hello, Samantha? Yes. Oh, thank you for calling in Samantha. Uh tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're calling about.
4: Um, I'm a master's student at USC studying global health. Um, so I was listening to Eurasia and it collides uh, very closely to what I study.
2: Oh, fascinating.
4: And I was interested because I just I have a couple of questions, but I was, uh, Susie in the last segment was uh, mentioning some statistics on uh, perpetrators in each state and how they were caught. And I was curious to see how if it was revealed um, with any or in any of these cases, how many victims do these perpetrators um, affect? Are they, because you said, oh, you had mentioned that it's like trading cards and when they do these, when they send each other these pictures, um, how many victims did the law enforcement find with each of them or is it just, it's just relative to the situation?
0: Well, the the stories didn't break down into a lot of a lot of the information about victims yet. I believe it, there was either it was either I think it was the main case. Uh, there there were twelve arrests, and there was one particular man that was found with hundreds of thousands of images. So, it's it's going to take months for them to go through all of those images. Um, and it didn't specify whether he was. Um, Actively involved in uh, um, abusing a child, or whether he was just uh, compiling uh, pornography, child pornography.
2: But you know, Samantha, that is a, a perfect question. I, I really appreciate you calling in and asking that question because I really want our listeners to think about the impact of child pornography because of the fact that you don't just have one victim and one exploiter. You may have a child that has uh, that is photographed and videoed and passed off to literally hundreds of thousands of pedophiles. And in that case, that one child is being exploited over and over and over. Every time that picture is passed off to another pedophile, they are re-exploited and they are totally powerless to ever get that photo back. On top of it, these pedophiles form these rings, and so they pass these off. And so these pedophiles also form large libraries of multiple children. I, I have yet to meet one pedophile that had one photo. It's, it really is a fascinating thing. And that, the exponential nature of this exploitation, and especially as this goes global, as we'll talk about in the last segment, is really something Because, you know, it isn't just one abuse. It is filmed and showed over and over and over.
4: Right. So essentially these photos can be sent to one perpetrator in the U.S. and then another right across the world in in Asia or in Europe. Is there any accountability in terms of law that has, like in in a case that has been found where, They've been able to trace both and persecute both from different countries.
2: So, Samantha, uh, does that answer your question? Yes, yes, absolutely. It, it really is. Uh, one of the things that's really, really scary to me is the fact that this is just not one act with one individual. This It may be one act, but it's recorded over and over and over and shared. And as as the Internet brings us all together, the act of exploitation could literally go out to millions of people. This is the reason why I talk to kids in school. Don't send those naked photos, because that photo won't just go to your boyfriend. If it's intercepted, it can go around the world. And we have a fast-changing world on technology. Did you have another question? Um. Yes,
4: I was curious to know um, if there was any a case that law enforcement was able to find. Um, I know that you had mentioned like they trade they trading photos. Um, so let's say there's a perpetrator in the U.S. They could easily trade photos with someone when they're in the dark web or deep web with someone across the world in Asia or in Europe. Um, have they ever been able to persecute? both individuals properly for for this violation.
2: Actually, I'm going to go into that, the, how technology is advancing and how that's going to be in the next section, in the closing section. But uh, absolutely, in many of these cases that you see on the Facebook that Susie posts, Post for us. In fact, there was one this week right out here in Palm Springs, since we're in Southern California. It was actually Palm Desert. And he was from uh, the UK coming over to Palm Desert to violate some children, but he met them through a child porn ring. And so you see this all the time where it is an international crime. And quite frankly, that is one of the challenges of creating law. And I applaud you for being a public, yeah, I think you said you're a public health policy student. is that Was that correct? Yes, global health. Yes. I, I, I really applaud you for that because we desperately need leaders to take this on in the future, just like the case that I was referring to, the playpen case, you know, FBI, to their credit, went in and used the best law and uh, search capability they have at their disposal, but it is not enough. We need to take a new look at this because when, when you're going through the dark web, you're going to find pedophiles in the UK and Bangladesh, you know, Cambodia, Michigan, you're going to find them all over. How do you, first of all, you don't know what you're going to find. So your normal search warrant isn't going to work. But by the same token, how do you, how do you get a uh, You know, uh, the Internet, you you can't just corral the entire Internet and control it. So how do you build global law to make this work? So I'm going to talk about some technologies in the next section here, and uh, we're going to talk about where this is going. And quite frankly, it is just downright frightening. I don't frighten easy because I live and breathe in this world, and I am all about solutions. And I'm asking you to follow this and help us find these solutions. Samantha, I'm really proud of you for calling in, first of all, and for your career, because we need young people to start to look at global law global treaties. We need technology that will be able to search this out and find it. We need to find missionaries around the world that begin to educate poor kids around the world about You know, the dangers of allowing anyone to take their photo, regardless of whether they're paid. There are many ways we need to take this on. So thank you for calling in. our next section now, we're really going to go deep into the dark web. And we're going to talk about cyber currency in there and live streaming and how this is going to change our lives. Stay tuned.
1: educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know.
3: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You are listening to Exploited! Crimes Against Humanity.
2: Well, hi, and welcome back, and I appreciate you staying with us. I appreciate everyone who's listening and that's willing to share this uh, program with other people around the world, whether it's a missionary around the world or just your neighbor next door. We must unite and take this problem on. Now, this section is strictly my opinion. I'm going to share with you because it is heavy on my heart, and I really am exploring this as we kind of go along working against child sex trafficking. As I've understood a lot about the dark web and the new technologies, I have to tell you I am greatly concerned as an individual. Those of you who know me know that I spend 70 hours a week fighting child sex trafficking in Southern California and lately across the United States. I've been flying out way too much, actually, but... uh, Child sex trafficking is a hideous thing as a kid becomes exploited and put into prostitution. But one of the things that is starting to scare me is as I see how technology is going to ramp up the literally the volume, the intense capability of this happening around the world. Now, for some time now, as we've talked, we know that child predators meet in the dark web, and they form these large rings, and they share data. And as our caller Samantha just called in and was talking about the international nature of this, so Susie reminded me that we had a case this week where someone came from Australia to violate. Was it? Go go ahead, Susie. Uh,
0: In the LA Times, uh, in amongst Operation Broken Hearts uh, arrests in Los Angeles. Uh, A gentleman, I'm sorry to use the term gentleman, but Michael (laughs) Quinn, 33, traveled from Australia to Los Angeles to complete a deal to buy a six-year-old boy for
2: sex. Let me remind Um, you that's allegedly.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is. um, It says that the undercover agents met Quinn on a social media networking site where he had communicated that he wanted to meet up with a dad who shares his young one. Um, Quinn explained to the undercover agent that he was hoping to meet other pervs in the US and ultimately agreed to pay a human trafficker $250 to provide him with a young boy with whom he could engage in illicit sex. When he went to the hotel in Los Angeles where he planned to meet and party with three other child predators and engage in sex with boys, instead, undercover agents were waiting inside the hotel room. Thank God for law enforcement that are involved in this, or he may have actually purchased a six-year-old boy.
2: Yes, uh, and it's a fascinating thing what is happening is the the nature of child pornography has been that they exchange these things and then they have meetups, and we see case after case. One of the things that's happening now is that I am very concerned that these meetups will take place virtually and it's going to be very, very difficult to find. So let me paint a picture for you, and some of you may have heard this if you've heard me speak, but I am very concerned because we know they're operating in the dark web, and they're hard to find. But this last year, an earlier part of 2016, Facebook has announced that they're opening a legitimate site in the dark web. Well, there are legitimate sites in the dark web. They're not all nefarious, okay? Okay. However, they're opening in the dark web, and at the same time, they added live streaming. Now, I'm a fan of live streaming. I have attempted to do it a few times. (laughs) I'm not all that great at it yet, but we're going to get better at it because we want to promote our show. So technology isn't good or bad. It's how you use that technology. But Facebook introduced Facebook Live. And then they introduce Facebook money transfer. Now, I want to talk about cyber currency for a minute because it's important that our audience understand how this works. In cyber currency, it's totally anonymous and non-traceable. There are 600, actually 660 different kinds of cyber currencies. So I want you to think about this a minute. Facebook has a site in the dark web. They can live stream out and attract in tens of thousands, even millions of followers into that dark web. And in fact, they had a million new followers in their first uh, three weeks, I believe it is. And so they can set up either child porn sites on that or prostitution sites. They'll probably replace Backpage at some point. You can charge it on non-transferable, non traces traceable, totally anonymous currency, and you can live stream it out to thousands of other people. And as I understand it, those people can continue to talk to each other. So that means that a, a pedophile can sit in Milwaukee and order up a kid in Cambodia. As the world is connected with, uh, so, uh, with a technology, you will see, and I already saw during the time that I was in Cambodia, smartphones all throughout Cambodia, That means a guy can sit in Milwaukee and order up a child to be molested in their own hut in Cambodia. There are billions of very poor children around the world who could easily be filmed and sold for two bucks a pop. Their older brothers and sisters arrange it, their parents arrange it, some broker arranges it, and like that. And they can can literally, as this begins to happen... Penetrate the entire world with exploiting kids and never leave home. On top of it, through live streaming, they can talk to each other and they can connect. I am very concerned where this is going because how do we approach this legally? How do we get search warrants? How do we have technology? Is there such a thing as photo DNA on live streaming? Or Is each live streaming coded so we can track it back? How do we get, if we have pedophiles that can set in, uh, in the dark web with live streaming and non-traceable currency and order up a child, think about that. That child could be violated by 100,000 pedophiles at a time by watching that video live. And they can encourage each other. This is just devastating as I begin to work my way through this. I'm going to ask you all to pray about this with me. If you're a person of faith, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Email me. Get involved. This is a fast-changing world. Will we see this in the next month? Probably not. But in the next nine months, You bet. You know, the next 12 months, absolutely. In, in 24 months, I'm predicting this could easily be an epidemic. It may be started now, but we're not able to find it yet. The technology is changing at the speed of light. I'm, I'm very proud of someone like Samantha that is getting a career in a public health policy. That is absolutely important that we begin to build leaders that can do this because this is Absolutely downright scary. In the meantime, I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes and ears open. This is taking place in America and it's taking place around us. The number to report this is 1 888 3737 888. That is 1 888 3737 888. If you see it, don't look the other way. Don't deny it. Get involved and do something about it. This is Me and Kids and Opal Singleton on Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We'd invite you to follow us at Me and Kids on Facebook. Look at ExploitedCrimes.com. We have a book, Seduced, called Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers. You can find that on our website if you want to educate yourself. We'd ask you mostly to archive the show and share it with everyone you know. We want you to be sure and join us again next week. At the same time, and if you miss this show or you want to share it with others, you can go on MillionKids.org or on Million Kids Facebook and look at the archive and educate yourself. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week.